Welcome to the Conquer Food Podcast with Craig and Paula Williams, where we share tips, tricks and strategies from the coalface of the weight loss industry in the UK. We're going to help you to think, eat and move better. Ultimately, we're going to help you finally gain control and conquer food. Welcome to the Conquer Food Podcast. Uh, today, I want to talk um, a little bit about emotional eating. Um, it's something that I think everybody kind of understands and experiences on some level. And uh, so that's that's my topic today. It's just me. I've not got anyone to talk to. Um, so whether that's a good thing, bad thing, I don't know. Let me just run through some of the things that I'm actually going to talk about. So I'm going to start talk fundamentally about emotional eating. I'm going to talk about what you know. What are some of the causes of emotional eating? I'm going to talk about how to know if you're an emotional eater or not, um, how to manage emotional eating or how to change it. And then also I'm going to talk a little bit about how to identify your emotional eating triggers. The idea being that um, if you can identify them, maybe you can change the programming that you have attached to those triggers. Okay, so that's the idea of today's podcast. Um, so let's let's get right into it. So obviously, you know, when we talk about like emotional eating, what is that? Um, now, I'm a massive believer that the idea of eating for hunger, you know, we, we we lost that. We gave that up a long, long time ago. Rarely do we actually eat for hunger nowadays because food is just so, so plentiful. And I know, you know, even, even now, you know, some people are falling on hard times, they've got to go to the food bank and all that kind of stuff. There's still an abundance of food around. And, uh, you know, it's not like we're having to go out and wrestle a bloody uh, sorry, woolly mammoth to get food and all this kind of stuff. It is just everywhere, you know, and rarely do, you know, does the average person eat because of hunger nowadays. So why do we eat? Well, 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 one of the first things is, is boredom. Or one of the biggest things I think is boredom. You know, we get a lot of people that come to camp and it's just like, you know, they live on their own. Um, they, they don't go out much, uh, you know, they're fed up with the TV and all that kind of stuff. And it's just boredom, you know, we just sort of sit there and we're like, bit bored now what am I going to do and, and f- food and eating just becomes the default setting you know and you, you start to eat just to break up that just to break up that boredom um you know when we when we've got nothing to do or even when what we are doing is pretty mundane and we don't enjoy it you know you think about like work um you go, some people go to work and they, they hate it and you know food just breaks up that monotony because we do get pleasure we get enjoyment from food so boredom, you know, is a massive one. Um, another one is sort of learned habits and saboteurs. You know, le- learned habits is things that you pick up throughout life, prim- primarily in your sort of childhood where, you know, it just becomes habit that you reach for food. You know, Paula talks a lot about when she used to go and see her grandma, which she loved dearly, but her grandma was a massive feeder. And every time Paula fell over and banged the knee or, you know, she was a little bit upset or school wasn't, school wasn't great she got come on let's go and have cake and cake became the default setting the habit to change that emotion you know and that's what we talk about when we're actually talking about emotional eating and then saboteurs you know lots of people will 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 look not consciously but maybe even subconsciously or whatever look to kind of sabotage what you're trying to do you know if you're trying to lose weight or eat healthy or eat less or whatever you know some people kind of seem to go out their way to to sabotage that, you know? And and my big thing, my, my thought behind that is that guilt shared is guilt, you know, guilt halved 
is guilt shared or guilt shared, guilt have, whatever way you want to look at it is just like, you know, if they can bring in 12 donuts and everybody in the office can have one, well, that almost justifies their, you know, having, having that donut in the first place. So there are like those, those little habits that we've picked up in saboteurs. And I'm sure if you take time to think about it, there'll be little, there'll be times when something happens and, you know, your default setting is, is food. Maybe even like, you know, you meet up with an old mate and you're like, yeah, you know, we gotta, we gotta get together. Um, let's go and, let's go and get a bite to eat. You know, let's go and have a meal. You know, and I, I did the same thing. I, I reached out to someone I hadn't seen for quite a while because of lockdown and everything. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, let us know when you're, when you're free and we'll get together and have a bit, a bite to eat. And, um, you know, it just becomes kind of habit and, and that's what we do. You know, food is much more than just giving us nutrients nowadays. You know, it can be a celebration. It can be, you know, a, a pacifier to some crappy emotions or whatever. Um, the next one is, you know, if you're kind of struggling with finances, you've got work stress, or maybe even, maybe even like awkward social interactions or something like that, then, you know, food can be, it can kind of in, increase the the cravings that you've got and you can turn to food to kind of get past that. Stress relief is actually a massive one. You know, we, we see that a hell of a lot where we just, you know, when, when we get stressed, there's, there's something going on in the body that is just like, you know, we're not happy with. The body wants to be in homo, homeostasis and whatever form of stress you're experiencing, it feels weird, it feels strange and we don't like it. You know, the body does not like it at all. But once we eat, we then have we have a state in the body that we're used to, you know, we, we used to those feelings of eating and, you know, because we're, we're kind of moving and doing stuff, you can just take our mind off that stress a little bit, but stress relief is, is a massive one. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on. Um, comfort food for whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's a weird one, the old comfort food, because I've seen it where, you know, people just absolutely batter themselves with comfort food after a breakup or something, you know, something's gone wrong in a significant loss in their family or whatever. Um, and I've seen people bounce the other way, you know, where they just completely stop eating. It just doesn't always seem to be like a rhyme and reason as to, as to why we, you know, why we either overeat or undereat when, when something, something goes on like that. Okay. But comfort food, I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure you recognize that times when, you know, I don't really, I don't really fancy like a little bit of lean protein and some fresh veg. Um, I'm going to have some ice cream and, and a bloody hot dog or a pizza instead. You know, and we, we comfort ourselves with food. Um, guilt, guilt is another one, like feelings of guilt. You know, guilt is a really destructive emotion in my eyes. I think it's, you know, it's it's behind a lot of the um, the distress that we experience. It's, you know, we, we kind of feel guilty. And sometimes the guilt is a gift from other people. It's not something that, you know, you kind of generate yourself. Um, you know, think back to when you're growing up and it's like, you know, you, you've, you've got perhaps got a bag of sweets or whatever. And then someone's like, come on, you know, share them out, give them to you, share them out to your, your friend or the class or the bloody, your brother and sister or whatever. And we, we sort of become guilty, you know, or something goes on. My, my big thing was, you know, as you're growing up, tough Yorkshire family, no nonsense, you know, if you hurt yourself and cried, well, you just didn't cry in public, like, you know, so, so stop it, you know, stop it off. And, um... You feel guilty about that, you know, and that, that emotion's got to be changed in some way. And, and food is often the easiest way to kind of change that emotion. Again, if you look back in your own past, maybe there's stuff there that, you know, people around you, significant adults or whatever, just maybe even the situation just made you feel guilty. And, and because of that, you often, often turn to food and that's become a habit now. Shame is another one when you're a little bit kind of, 
you feel a little bit shameful and ashamed of what you've done. You know, we all kind of make mistakes. And the thing about mistakes and behavior is that, you know, that's not you as a person. It's just your behavior. It's just a, it's separate. It's two, two separate things. Um, but it doesn't have an effect on our eating. And then another one, which is physiological stuff, which is linked to all these kind of things is, you know, extreme levels of cortisol. Now, cortisol is a hormone in our, in our body uh, it's very much the stress hormone. And if you are riddled with cortisol, as a lot of people that come to Team Bootcamp are, you know, you're naturally, you're, you're going to eat more. You know, there's drivers out there that are just just pushing you to to eat eat more. And, um, you know, like I said, because of modern day life, the way it is, because it's so complex, because our body just didn't evolve to live in this environment that we're in, it, it, it's just riddled with cortisol, you know? And, and it's a real effort it's not a real effort because it actually can be done quite relatively easy. But, you know, you've got to mindfully reduce cortisol and work hard to de-stress um, to reduce it. You know, really focus on your sleep, focus on your, on, your, um, on, your, on your rest, focus on meditation, you know, all, all this kind of stuff and, and food as well. You know, some foods will, will trigger more cortisol. So... It's a real complex situation, but um, you know, it all starts with kind of maybe even listening to this podcast and then just following some of the steps that I'm going to talk about in a bit and um, and working to control all that kind of stuff. Um, so basically, emotional eating it, it is a cycle, and it's it's like occasionally using food as a pick me up or a reward or to celebrate, um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you do it too much, and this this cycle can obviously like, like a small snowball starting to roll down a hill it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually the the momentum that it's got you just can't stop it and this is quite often what happens and it becomes you know it, this emotional eating cycle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you know you, you've really got a problem because it's what we consistently do that really counts and if you consistently turn into food every time you have a bad day good day whatever you're going to start develop you're going to start engineering bad days and bad events just to get that food, you know, and it, it really does become that cycle. Um, so I don't know if you are an emotional eater. Well, it, the good news, bad news, whatever way you want to look at it, in some level, everyone is an emotional eater. You know, emotions, we all act on emotions. Everything we do is is based on on emotions, you know. If we did things on logic, then we'd all be walking around with incredible bodies, incredibly healthy, you know, getting just the right amount of sleep, the right amount of rest, you know, our lives are completely different. We're not logical beings as much as we, we want to be and, and think we are. We're not, you know, and, and we act on emotions. We buy things on emotions. We eat things on emotions. It's just, it's just what we are. So there's no point even, even questioning whether you are an emotional eater. I think the, the, the key thing is, you know, there's obviously a spectrum as there is in many things and it's where you are in that emotional eating spectrum um, because, you know, some people obviously have got a much worse uh, emotional eating habit or, or routine or cycle or whatever than, than others. Um, so that, that's kind of kind of way that you need to, to look at it. But some of, us are, some of us are much more likely to binge eat. Um, you know, by binge eating, you know, I, I don't just sort of, you know, eating, eating like loads and loads of food. But it, what it can also mean is that you you constantly graze. You know, we can over overeat by constantly grazing, by constantly eating. And, and we don't eat a great deal in one major sitting, but we do kind of eat 
throughout the day quite a lot, you know? And um, so there's a couple of different ways of like binge eating. The, the grazing one is one that's often forgotten because whenever we're kind of eating on the move um, or, you know, we're, we're kind of just nitpicking as we go through the day, we, we don't always account for that stuff, you know? And you, when you come to do like your nutritional recall or you do a nutrition diary, a food diary or whatever, you can't, always, you can't always account for it. And you certainly can't account for the quantities that you've eaten. You know, if you're kind of grazing on nuts all day, like how, how many nuts have you really eaten? You, you, you don't know. Um, and I had, a, I had a, a personal training client once and um, we managed to get them off sort of sweet, sugary drinks and, and sugary snacks. And they started eating sunflower seeds, right? Um, but the weight didn't really change a great deal. And when we kind of dove into it, it, it turned out that, you know, he'd literally have a bag of sunflower seeds on his desk all the time. And then he'd just be picking away at them and he'd do a bag of sunflower seeds a day, which, you know, calorie wise, that is a lot of food, but he just, because they're so small, you know, it just gets through him and he didn't really account for them too much. But, um, you know, so there's a couple of different ways in which you can kind of binge eat and should be, should be aware of that. Um, and other people obviously can restrict this, you know, this is emotional sort of eating, even though it's a little bit more disordered or it might be a little bit more controlled or whatever, but it's, it's all an attempt to kind of control or change an emotion that you're experiencing. Um, the, the, the other thing to bear in mind as well, especially in today's climate, is that, you know, for some of us, a situation like the current pandemic it may have led to, to fear about around the availability of food, you know, and, and, and the accessibility of food or maybe in the cost of, of food in the future. You know, we saw this panic where people were going out and buying bags and bags of pasta and rice and all this food. And, um, you know, it's like, it was just like fear really that, that, forced us to, to to buy that stuff, you know, and um, and maybe maybe people they wouldn't normally eat that amount of pasta, but because they had like this fear of accessibility and, and availability, fear of loss, that they just ate more and more of it, you know. So you can see that there's much more to kind of eating than than just, oh yeah, well I'm just hungry. I need to eat a bit of food. So how do you how do you kind of manage it? Um one of the ways that we teach at Team Bootcamp to to manage emotional eating. I'm going to come on to the first step, but let's go into like the second step, okay? Which is like, you know, how do you how do you kind of work with it? How do you, you know, if if emotional eating was like a big lion, how would you take it out and walk it and exercise it and all this kind of stuff? Um, so the, the first thing is kind of just being really mindful as you're eating. So instead of like mindlessly eating, just slowing down a little bit and just really thinking about what you're doing, you know, think about your... How you're, how you're chewing food, how you're tasting food, you know, how many times you chew it, you know, really just be in the moment and think about like the emotions that you're triggering from the food, how things are changing, the feelings that you're getting, including the physiological feeling of your stomach becoming fuller and um, the chewing process, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. Polly does an, a great exercise with her long-term boot campers and, um, you know, we basically just fill, fill the table full of sweets and says, right, we're just going to, we're going to, you can eat whatever you want, but you've got to do it mindfully. And once you start mindfully eating, they eat just so much less than they normally would. Um, but we, you know, we often don't do it. And a lot of food now, and you think about some of the fast food stuff is it's just so easy to, to, to digest. So, you know, so much of the digestion process has taken place outside the body. We, we can turn off and not even think about it. We just ram food into our mouths and, and not even not even give it any thought. Um, so the you know, first thing I kind of suggest is just just be a little bit mindful about 
what you're eating and how you're eating. Uh, and that's a great first step. Another thing as well is that, you know, if we're eating to change emotion, then, you know, what else kind of changes emotion? And, you know, what else can we use as a pacifier, you know, as like a comfort blanket, whatever, you know, whatever kind of emotion we're trying, like a bit of reassurance or whatever. And, and quite often like deep breathing, you know, trying, trying to do some like deep belly breathing can, can really help to, to change the state in the body, you know, and it, it does take a little bit of, of effort to think, mm, I can go for the easy option and grab the food or I can just do some deep breathing. And one way around this, you know, you do it in combination with a, with a timer on your watch or whatever, and just think, right, okay, for 10 minutes, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to, I'm just going to do some deep breaths and, you know, try and just kind of de-stress a little bit, just, just bring myself down, try and change the emotion. And if I still want the food afterwards, then fair enough. But, you know, just a little bit of deep breathing um, on a timer. Just think, you know, set, set the timer, 10 minutes, one hour, whatever it is, because a lot of a lot of emotions and a lot of um, the physiological drivers for eating, they're they're not things that like build and build and build and build until you pop, you know. They, they are things that, that come like waves lapping up against a beach, you know. And if we could just wait for that wave to pass, then we can make better, better food choices afterwards. Obviously, any form of stress management is going to be a good thing. Whatever it is for you, whether it's going out and battering a punch bag, whether it's going for a walk with a dog, sitting in nature, for me, a big one is just like the sound of water is massive for stress management for me. You know, I'll go and sit down by the river or whatever, and, and, and that really does kind of de-stress me. Another one that I love is the, the sauna. Um, I love a sauna because... You know, you can't take your phone in there. People rarely speak to you in there and you can just kind of sit in there. It's it's, it's nice. It elevates the body temperature and I just find it really, really relaxing and, and that can help with um, with stress management. But whatever whatever it is for you, you know, and it, it, I think it will be different for different people. Um, some people de-stress by going for a run. Other people, you know, they want to lie on the settee and watch a bit of telly whatever it is, you know, but if we can do a little bit of stress management today, it could just really help with our emotional eating tomorrow. And it's a constant thing that you need to keep, keep on with. Um, for, for some of you, keeping a food diary is going to help, you know, just accounting for those little bits of food and just tracking. So instead of like being mindlessly munching away on food, you kind of, you're tracking it and you're thinking, well, I might feel a bit, a bit shitty now and a bit of food might pick me up, but actually, you know, I'm already approaching my, daily calorific um, limits and, uh, you know, and I've got dinner to go or whatever, you know, I, I can't be doing this snacking. And it's just being aware, you know, and that awareness is is really key. I'm going to talk, talk about awareness a little bit in the next couple of sections, but, you know, Food Diary can just give you that little bit of awareness so that you're kind of tracking, tracking what you're doing. Um, mindfulness. Is, is another one, any kind of mindfulness exercise, even in the moment. Again, it can be like a real proactive thing where your mindfulness today will tackle the emotional, or help you tackle the emotional eating tomorrow. And, and, and again, hand in hand with that, any, any kind of relaxation techniques, whether it's a massage, whether it's going to get your, your, you know, your head on, whatever it is that just helps you kind of, kind of relax, you know, better ways, more productive ways to, to change those emotions and to reduce that cortisol than, than filling your face so you don't get caught up in the cycle. So when it comes to like kind of change in emotional eating, um, well, obviously, you know, every, every bit of emotional eating is, is habitual, you know, it just because we do develop a habit. Now the food might change and the triggers might change, but you're obviously running this, 
same routine. And, um, you know, if it's a habit, the good news there is that it can be changed. I, I reluctantly say it can be broken because habits can be really hard to break sometimes, especially if, if we've done it for a long time. Um, but, you know, it's much easier sometimes to, to change that habit. The key to that, key to changing any, any habit is, is, is being aware, you know, being aware of when these habits, you know, when, when this emotional eating tends to kick in. Um, a common one that I always use as, a, as an example is the old wine o'clock, you know, and, and a lot of personal training clients that I used to have, which predominantly it was sort of middle-aged women, you know, they would get home, they'd get everything sorted, you know, kids to bed, whatever, um, and then and then it's time for a glass of wine. And obviously it starts off with a little glass of wine and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you're doing like a bottle a night, you know, and, it, and then it becomes a bit of an issue. And, you know, when you kind of talk to them, say, you know, what is it? Is it the taste that you like about the wine? Is it the, is it the feel of the bubbles? Is it, you know, what is it just like a switch that, okay, kids are in bed, everything's sorted now, this is my time. So is it like a signal? You know, really trying to dig into it and work out what it is, because once you kind of work out what it is you're doing there, um, what the reward is, then you can perhaps start to work out something that's that's better, that's going to give you a similar reward. You know, like, for example, instead of having a, a glass of wine, could you have a like a hot bath, like layers in the hot bath? And I know some of you will want to lie in the bath with a glass of wine, and you, but, you know, if if it's becoming a pro if the emotional eating is becoming a problem and i dare say if you're listening to this then you're perhaps thinking you know i could certainly do with cutting out some of my emotional eating then you know you really need to be looking at ways to be progressive not not regressive you know you want to do things to make it better not not enhance the the emotional eating that you're already doing right we kind of get the idea behind that something else to bear in mind is that Emotional eating and, and even weight problems um, often run in a family, you know. So we often, you know, we, we parents pass the emotional eating habits and rituals down to their to their kids, like Paula's grandma, like I was saying before. Um, so you know, quite often, if if you're in a family, if you're in a family block, then you know, sometimes it might be a good idea to try and tackle these this emotional eating as a group, as a block, as a, as a family. Um, and, and, you know, especially if you've got young kids, because obviously very rarely do overweight kids become, um, lean adults, very rarely, you know, and it's, so you kind of, you kind of owe it to them to, to make an effort to tackle these things because overweight kids become overweight adults, you know, and not like, not like when, when I was growing up where, you know, you, you rarely saw an overweight kid really, um, you know, and look at the, the weight the weight problem we've got, certainly in the UK right now, you know, what's it going to be like in 20 years' time? Um, it really it really does scare me. So you kind of owe it to them. Right, the last thing I want to talk about is like identifying your triggers. And I want to, I want to finish on this one because it is really important. Like I said, awareness is the key to, to any kind of habit or anything, that, any program that you're running. Just being aware of it is, just gives you a little bit of a head start on, on, on how, to, how to stop it. But the first thing is um it, it, you know is to, is to really look about look at the the potential triggers like and, and they can be anything from situations places certain feelings um times of the day people that you uh that you socialize or interact with um certain certain jobs that you do either at work or at home 
you know, there's just a, a ton of things, you know, and some of you might be thinking, well, you know, the commute home is really boring, so I'll sit there with a bag of sweets on the passenger seat and I'll just munch away and that will help me, help me um, ease the boredom, you know, or it might be, uh, I've got to work, I've got to have this, I've got to do this, uh, this supervision with somebody and I hate doing it and I don't really like it, right, well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get it done and then I'll, I'll head off to the bakery and get myself a bun or whatever, you know, whatever it is, just, just really think about the comfort food that you eat and, and the time situations, locations, all that kind of stuff. When you're just snacking on food that logically, you know, you shouldn't really eat or you shouldn't be eating. Um, so any, any, any time where it's kind of linked to unpleasant feelings or like you need to trigger positive emotions like such as rewarding yourself for achieving a goal or celebrating, a, you know, an event, whatever it is, you know, look look for those things and um, and don't ever stop looking for these little triggers because if you can work out these triggers, like I said, it really is the start of uh, of tackling tackling this emotional eating. Okay, so we did a little bit. Of, bit of a dive there into into emotional eating. Like I said, you know, you, you're not alone. I think everybody in some form. Uh, suffers or has to live with with emotional eating on on different levels um if it really is really is kind of uh, causing you a lot of problems and uh, and you need help with it then then reach out you know maybe we could do like a little coaching session or maybe even consider coming to team boot camp where we we tackle this kind of thing all the time um anyway hope you enjoyed it until the next podcast take care